Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Welcome back to the 19th T podcast, Kieran Marsh and Nathan Drudy with you as always. Drew's very excited about uh, tonight's guest. It is, I suppose, a, a form of the game that we have obviously become quite aware of, acutely aware of, uh, not only since we started this podcast, but well before it and, and one that we are well and truly on board with as it speaks It speaks to us as, as 19th T podcast hosts and the message that we're trying to send. Well, that's exactly right, Cam. It's, this is the living embodiment of this podcast in many ways. So uh, very excited uh, is an understatement uh, for me today. It's all about, I suppose, breaking down the barriers of, of getting involved in the game of golf. It's about, I suppose, burning down those old perceptions of it being a stuffy game. It's about allowing anyone, no matter their, their, their ability, their height, their size, you know, their thoughts on the game, to enjoy it the way that they like to and do it at their very best. I speak, of course, of Future Golf, and we're lucky enough to be joined by the General Manager of Future Golf, Rowan Adams. Rowan, welcome to the 19th Tee. Thanks, guys. Really excited uh, to be on the pod um, as we film this late in the evening. But yeah, we uh, we definitely follow all of the, you know, the ethos that you guys have. I, I remember first listening and, and hearing, you know, golf without the jacket and tie. Um, and straight away that resonated with me. Um, I'm a big advocate for, for opening up golf and all that, and removing all of those big intimidation factors. So yeah, you've, you've summarized future golf very well and there's a, a great time with what you guys are doing. And I, and I have to say, I'm really enjoying uh, all of the different episodes you guys have put out and your take on the game and how you discuss it. That's very kind of you. Might just wrap it up right there. Thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> I think we've achieved everything we need to achieve. Uh, Rowan, fantastic. Look, we'll, we'll obviously speak a lot about future golf, but I suppose personally for yourself uh, to start us off, tell us about your connection to the game. Is it only a recent one? Is it much like a lot of your members at Future Golf or have you had uh, a long connection with the game of golf? I've played uh, since I was about seven or eight years old. Um, grew up in a small country town in central Victoria, Eildon, which has a a very typical country golf course that's manned by volunteers. Uh, grass greens, uh, hilly old course. And I used to go up there with dad, uh, with my brother, and we'd play after the men played. Um, we'd be allowed to go out and pack the ball around. And, and we absolutely loved it. And that was where the, the love for the game started. But amongst uh, a lot of other sports growing up, cricket and Aussie rules and things, it, it was hard to get the time in there to play. Um, and as I got older realized you know how much I really love the game and did the typical thing when we're teenagers and school holidays and things a lot of the the public courses on the eastern suburbs here of Melbourne once I moved to the city were open for for teenagers to come out and play so we'd play six or seven uh, very competitive grudge matches every school holidays uh, and it kind of grew from there into the 20s into university playing golf uh, I've never been great up until about a year ago I'd never had a lesson um, but I just love getting out amongst the nature with friends, hitting a ball around, bit of banter, bit of fun, um, and, you know, continued playing golf from there. I moved to the UK and took a bit of a break from it back in the in my late 20s. 
uh, and it was when I got to my early 30s and wanted to get back into the game that I realised I didn't really have a, a crew anymore to play the game with. A lot of friends had had, had young families or moved on from the game and I, I remember thinking, oh, I've really got to find a way to meet a crew of people to play. And that's when I came across the very first Gen Y golf ad in about July 2014. Uh, Ali, who's the founder, of Gen uh, Y Golf and now Future Golf put this ad out on Facebook saying, come along, play with this uh, new social golf club. And I remember the first ad was essentially a pot of beer uh, sitting on a table outside the clubhouse. Um, nice, simple marketing. And I remember seeing it thinking, oh, I, I could definitely be part of this. And, and there were a few young guys in there and I ended up being member number 30. Uh, so way back in its very early infancy, uh, joining up in the early days. And that's where the, the journey sort of began. And so how do you go from being member number 30 to general manager? To run on the joint. <laughs> yeah, where, where, where does the step come from, from being a person who uh, yep. simply enjoys the great benefits of, of, a, of a future golf membership to actually being yep. actively a part of its growth? Well, it's quite a funny story that Ali always tells. I, I'm a qualified accountant. Um, and it was back in the early days, Ali said, oh, him, him and his mate James were running it essentially with about 30 people and the event days were very informal. It was basically, g'day guys, grab a beer, here's your scorecard, out you go. Um, and I remember Ali saying, we're starting to get some, you know, a few members, I'm going to need some help. Let's set up a, a future golf committee. Oh, Rowan, you're into finance you're an accountant you can look after the books <laughs> but it should be a pretty easy job because we've got 44.95 in the bank so you're not going to have to do too much work um and that was real initial days myself and and, and another mate who i met through gemi golf marcus who's had a, a huge impact on where we've grown to we we just loved getting involved and it pretty quickly transferred into absolutely everything within Gen Y Golf. So it was event management, getting up in front of a group speaking, um, planning of events, talking to partner courses. We were creating our own website, setting up our own Facebook ads, um, liaising with Golf Australia and all the different golf bodies. So we learned really fast. Uh, and the first three years of the, the journey into Gen Y Golf, we were all just volunteering on the top of, of a lot of our day jobs, including Ali. All of us were working full-time and doing hours outside of that, hours upon hours upon hours, um, setting this thing up just through a real passion for, like you said, finding a way to change the game, making it more accessible, removing some of those intimidation points, uh, getting access to places you wouldn't otherwise have access. And it's that passion that led us uh, into it. And it's ended up being a pretty good journey because I now work as general manager uh, it's now my full-time job, which is a dream for me. It's been amazing, but it, it's been a steep learning curve. And that's almost been the, the best part of it for me is sitting there as a humbled old accountant staring at spreadsheets all day to all of a sudden <laughs> running uh, what is pretty soon to be in terms of member numbers. The largest golf club in Australia is a, is a pretty amazing journey and one that I'm very thankful for. How did, what's the, the mission of Future Golf, mate? Because it's, uh, as you mentioned, uh, it's going great guns at the moment and your member numbers are, are ballooning. So obviously the mission and the ethos behind it is, is something that people want to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's really that, you know, a golf community for younger golfers that provides an accessible way to play 
Uh, we have a mission to grow to the largest community of golfers in the world uh, by connecting golf facilities and different bodies within golf to, young, to a younger golf audience that needs something different than what's currently in the market. Um, it's probably evolved more in the last two or three years to be that, that vision and mission. Originally, it was just a place for mates to play golf. But we pretty quickly realized that what we'd stumbled upon was something that was going to change the golf market, but change it for the better for everyone in the industry. And, and it's proving even more so as we grow that the golf industry and everybody connected to it is benefiting from us finding a model that helps those at the moment, 18 to 45 year old golfers play a lot more of the sport. Here's your chance for the humble brag. What, what are the numbers like, mate? How is, uh, how are the numbers just ballooning and how are you getting so popular at the moment? So we've reached, I think it's a perfect time for the podcast because I think we've just ticked over 4,000 members nationally. There you go. We love a round number. So, yep, we've literally done it just for you this evening. Pushed, pushed a couple of uh, Thanks, budgies and goldfish into the membership pool like the AFL clubs used to. <laughs> <over> the line. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we've, we've grown exponentially in probably the last six months as well uh, in terms of growing what the product offers people, um, especially here in Victoria where we have the 38 partner courses um, events selling out really fast that, that the, the membership here really is growing and friends telling friends and people that weren't otherwise playing a lot of golf getting involved and it's now starting to to also grow around the country as it, as it takes hold and we can get out to more partner courses and, and host more events and just get more people involved. Um, so I think really in reality for growth of future golf we're probably only really hit the tip of the iceberg I think there's a lot more we can do to attract uh, newer golfers to the game, to attract that person who heads down to their local council golf course once a month to have a hit with their mates or heads down for nine holes with the 25-year-old set of clubs because they've been to the driving range a few times. I think that's where golf can really grow and flourish is by finding a way to reach out to all of those people. Uh, and then on the top of that, you've got obviously – Everyone in golf wants to try and find a way to get more females playing golf. Um, so that's something that we're very passionate about. Uh, we gave away about 240, 250 memberships last year to female golfers to try and move the needle a bit. But there's still a long way to go in providing fun ways for people to learn, um, pathways for people to get onto the course and not feel they have to go from hitting a few balls at a range to all of a sudden playing 18 holes with their shirt tucked in, not standing on a line, not knowing where to go, going slow, embarrassing themselves. There's a long way to go before we can remove that and really make the game flourish a bit like T20 cricket has for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Rowan, it's, it's fantastic to hear that, that that dial is starting to shift and that, and that maybe a little, bit of, a little bit of oil on the joints is starting to, to shift the conversation. Uh, yep. but, but take us back to the early days of Gen Y golf, when I imagine it was an awful lot harder. Uh, and, yep. and talk to us about what the initial reaction was like when you started to have these conversations, particularly with, I suppose, people in the broader industry, whether it be partner clubs, whether it be people who you were seeking some advice for of how to grow the business. Because um, bear with me, I, I imagine it to be somewhat like uh, 
do you know the, the movie Cool Runnings? And when the Jamaican bobsled team, they go out uh, trying to fundraise to get to the yes. Olympics and they yeah. go to all the different businesses in Jamaica and they get laughed out the door. Now, without trying to put too fine a point on it, I, I imagine it was somewhat like that, those first few conversations about what you were trying to do. And, and because really it was, it was a huge disruption to the industry. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I, I really like your reference to Cool Runnings there. It, it feels <laughs> like that a lot of the time. Um, feels like I'm putting my whole bag of clothes on when I'm leaving a club with my head between my uh, my tail between my legs. But it it has been a battle all the way through, um, especially initially. That we were very lucky in the early days that some of the the really good clubs here in Victoria saw some merit towards getting some events happening with younger golfers and providing that benefit to to our members of that free round, which tends to be the, the sticking point when you are talking to people that you want to work with. Um, and, and still to this day, there's a lot of people in the industry um, that see future golf as something that's not necessarily benefiting their club or the industry as a whole. We are finding that probably the last two years, there's a lot less pushback within clubs, but also within the golfing community of people who have been traditional golf club members. I think even on that front, they're realising that if we don't get the generation now between 18 to 45 playing golf, we're going to lose a lot of golf courses. We're going to lose essentially what Ali always says is we'll lose a whole generation to golf. And it's not for any of us that love the game and love talking about it and love playing it with our mates. That's just not acceptable. So it's that passion that we tend to take into our discussions with clubs, uh, with general managers and with the people that, that run these facilities is that everything that Future Golf does in a way is to protect the future of golf and the clubs that, that support it. We're, we're under no illusions that without golf clubs, we don't have facilities to play at. So our whole idea is to support those clubs, get the younger people playing golf and enjoying themselves. Uh, and just get more people out on course. That's our, that's our main goal from all different walks of life, like you said earlier. Um, I have a belief that golf should be the most popular sport or close to in the world because it doesn't matter whether you're, you're fit, you're not fit, you're old, you're young, you're rich, you're poor. There should be a way to play the game uh, at your level and just get out there, out there in the outdoors. What is it? I mean, you've obviously had an awful lot of experience having these conversations at the at the coalface, so to speak. Yep. What is it uh, for those people who are resistant to future yep. golf and the change that it represents? Let's let's be kind and call them traditionalists because I think there's far more appropriate but but less kind words than traditionalists. But for the purpose <laughs> of this conversation, we'll call them traditionalists. Yep. What is it that you think they're afraid of? Because I think the the very the very essence of this podcast between two idiots rambling on each and every week about their opinions on the great game is <laughs> the the very fact that this game needs to adapt it must yep. grow or it will perish and so what yep. is it about these clubs that you think are resistant to change what are they afraid of the main thing that's always been against it is that it provides another option that means the golf clubs don't have what was effectively a monopoly to get a handicap and to play more golf so a lot of the time in the past, you had to be a member of a golf club. And back when there were hundreds of thousands more golfers in this country, you had to go join a club essentially to get that option. Uh, you had to pay a lot of money to do that. People would pay $5,000 a year and play five games of golf. That's some damn expensive rounds of golf, no matter what the quality of that golf course is. 
So there was no flexibility to provide something else. And as more and more of, of the options like us came onto the market, there was a real pushback that if young people don't, if young people have options, they're not simply going to come to us as a golf club. But what we're getting across now, the message has to be that what people in this day and age want is flexibility, value for money. Um, a lot of people aren't playing as much golf as they used to. So it's providing the option to get people into the game at that base level. And what we've found, and it was something we discovered purely by accident a little way into our journey, is that once people start playing more, they will still join clubs and they will join them in their droves. We've had the last two weeks, 18 the week before last and 20 this week of our members joining bricks and mortar golf clubs. And to some of them, there's three or four going in groups to join golf clubs. And these are people who've, before Future Golf, never had a handicap, never played regular golf, uh, were intimidated by getting out on course and playing golf. And now that they've had that opportunity, they realise that these golf clubs are great. I can go and get into this golf club community. I can join Pennant. I can play regular metal comps. I can go out on a Wednesday and practice. So once they realise that, they're actually supporting the clubs that support us which for us is ticking a KPI. More people playing golf, more people joining clubs for us is a win-win for everybody. Why the name change, Rowan? Obviously started out as Gen Y Golf, now yep. Future Golf. Was, yep. was it a simple matter of you felt you were pigeonholing yourself to a particular demographic or was there more to it? There's a, there's a few elements to it. So it was definitely the pigeonholing to a certain demographic and it resonated with us because we didn't even realize what the cutoffs to gen generation Y were. <laughs> um, we were sitting there going, are we even generation Y? And people would contact us and say, I don't think I'll fit in because I'm not gen Y. Um, and we hated that. We wanted anybody to come in. We're obviously very much pointed towards that younger demographic, but in reality, anybody that wants to play some flexible golf can come and join us at any time. So it was really holding back our growth and reaching new audiences. And then Future Golf sounded really simple to us at the time, but really it, it encapsulates everything that we're doing with, with the brand and with the business and how we're trying to grow. It's protecting the future of golf. It's finding a new way to play golf. I, I think, like I said, I think we're only a very small distance into our journey of providing uh, programs that can support the future of golf in, in that, we're essentially now got a lot of people who've played a bit of golf and a lot of people join who know how to play golf. I think there's a whole lot out there, like I said earlier, that are looking for formats so that they can learn to play and they are the future. Younger people, women, kids, programs for kids that tried in high school but then have no idea where to go after that. There's a whole range of things I think we can do um, to really grow the industry and that's why that name just sits so well with everything we're trying to achieve. Give us the lowdown on how the memberships work, mate, because you've got a few different levels of membership yep. that you can you can take up. So give us a spiel on, on how that sort of works. Absolutely. So the, the memberships are designed and the way we did it back when Future Golf started was, was as a golfing pathway. So to provide a different level for each level of golfer that you are. Um, and as you step through your development in golf, you will want more benefits and you will want to step through that program. So at the very bottom level, we have a starter membership, which is designed for the person who has gone to the driving range, has perhaps been out with a friend, 
and had a hit but wants to get a few more benefits and a bit of a taster, that gives them a free round, a 30-minute swing assessment with a pro. They get an hour at X-Golf. Uh, and pretty soon to be in each state, we'll have some driving range balls and a bit of mini golf and things like that in that program. Then you step up to our, we call it the social membership. So you're purely a social golfer. You might play eight, 10, 12 times a year, but you want a, a handicap. So that one comes with your handicap. You also get four free rounds of golf in that level. Uh, you get discounts at now over 90 partners nationwide with your membership card. Uh, and again, you get a lesson some range balls and ex-golf session. You get discounts at our great partner house of golf. So you get a whole bunch of stuff there. Then you're stepping up into the golfer, which in Victoria is 12 rounds. In the other states is eight rounds. Uh, and we're pretty soon to move to 12 rounds in each state once we have the partners on board. And the golfer is another step up where you're playing a fair bit of golf. You've got time to get out for some, some free rounds, a dozen a year. It's super value. Um, and again, you're getting handicap and all the other inclusions. And then the fourth level is your golfing addict. So your true golfer who might be playing a couple of times a week wants to try a whole range of golf courses. It includes a free round at every one of the partners in your state. So in Victoria at the moment, that one's $7.99, and that gets you effectively 38 rounds of golf. So one at every partner. And that one includes our five prestige partners here, which is Q. Spring Valley, Woodlands, Yarra Yarra and Eastern Golf Club, which are all fully private. So it's an amazing membership that uh, I think, you know, is unsurpassed in the industry and really gets those addicts fully into golf. They can go and try out a range of clubs. And a lot of the time, those guys really are going on to then join a golf club because they are playing so much. So it's really lots of flexibility. You can move up and down through the levels as you see fit. Um, lots of benefits uh, and we're, we're growing that all the time so there's even more options uh, for anyone that follows us on socials recently we've added a load of new partners and new benefits for members and we'll continue to do that over the coming years to, to continue to provide value to people that support us Tell us about the partners because well, you mentioned you had 90 of them so I'm not expecting you to rattle all 90, <laughs> all 90 partners off but give us, uh, give us some of the partners and, and so I suppose yep. some of the you know, the other benefits that, um, that you've been working with. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, it's, it's pretty much 90 partners now. We've got a few more to come out in the coming days. Some really, again, significant partners. Uh, most are in Victoria, so 38. Like I said, there's five fully private clubs that are prestige partners and they've benefited hugely out of partnering with us with uh, most of them have between 10 and 20 members from us in the last two years. So you can imagine the value to those clubs of younger members that are paying premium membership prices, but will also likely stay around for five, 10, 15 years once they're in these really good clubs. Uh, and then in all of the States, we have another couple of prestige partners in South Australia. So the Grange Golf Club and Glenelg Golf Club. So a couple of really good ones of the top four in Adelaide. Uh, we also have Monash Country Club in Sydney who've come on as our first prestige partner there and we're working to build up a range of those in Sydney uh, at the moment and we're also always on the follow-up in all the other states. Um, Drudes, as you would have seen in WA, uh, Simon and I came over for, or I came over to meet Simon who's our partnership manager there and we managed to get six new partners effectively in two days of meetings. So the product over there now with I think it's 12 at the moment and a couple more to come is pretty, pretty solid and only going to improve. 
Um, so yeah, we're working hard uh, across the industry to continually add partners because it not only adds to our product, but we uh, truly believe that every club that partners with us benefits from the partnership and it's built to purely benefit the clubs and then to provide some product for, for future golf to grow our memberships. That's, that's inherently how it works. Rowan, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that the, that the partner courses and the ability to hold the Golf Australia Handicap are the cornerstone of these memberships. But I'm, I'm interested to know how important it was to you guys from the outset to offer those extra benefits, things like the swing assessment, things like the ex-golf session you speak about. Obviously, in, a, in, the, in the near future, uh, you know, balls at a golf range and, and, and things like yep. putt-putt. How important are those extra little incentives in a membership um, are in, in terms of a younger audience who are a little bit more discerning with their cash now and, and you didn't want necessarily get again pigeonholed as essentially just offering another uh, play and handicap membership yeah well I, that's what i think has made it very different when we again rebranded to future golf one of the things we said was golf was connected more than ever before we wanted to connect not only golf courses whether public or private but any sort of facility that's involved in golf to help benefit them grow their businesses and their revenue and have people coming through, but mostly to just provide a variety of different offers, no matter what level you are uh, along the spectrum of playing golf, because there will be a lot of people that simply want to go for a game of mini golf or go to the driving range. But what that does is it then, as we know, can kind of light the fire. You go to the driving range or we're partnered with top golf on the Gold Coast. You go there and you hit some, cracking shots all of a sudden you can feel like there's a bit of a I want to do this a bit more maybe now I can go for that 30 minute swing assessment where a pro is going to tell me to grip the club a little different and I might hit some good shots and then I might bring my mates to X golf and all of a sudden I'm hooked on hitting the ball into a screen at these beautiful facilities with bars and fun competitions and things like that it's it's really been about finding ways to get people to enjoy different parts of the industry while kind of stoking the fire of playing more golf. And I think there's a lot more we can do to connect all of those facilities into our platform um, and definitely, yeah, provide all of those options for people as they go through the spectrum. And one of the big things I'm, I'm going to be working on this year is getting a lot more professional um, PGA pros involved in the program. And we've had some, some rippers along the way, Jack McLeod, here in Victoria has been with us for five years and he um, has built a really good client base and, and helped so many of our players develop. And I see that being spread around the nation. Alex McKay in WA does a fantastic job. And if we can build that up across all of the states, Zach Rollins in South Australia, we've got a great suite of pros. If we can build that up around the country. There's no reason we can't have a hell of a lot more people going for that lesson and, and removing that intimidation factor on the first tee. One of the big selling points, Rowan, is is the handicap, I suppose, because um, if you do want to play, you know, it's at private courses or play in uh, comps, you do have to have a handicap and a golf link number. So yep. I think one of the, the, the great parts of the membership is the fact that you can actually submit a conforming social round online by yourself very, very easily rather than getting someone else to manage your uh, account for you or having to email it in or what it might, whatever it might be. How, yep. um, how popular has that been as far as submitting social, conforming social scorecards uh, that, that yep. folks have gone out and played on a Saturday and they've just popped it in themselves? 
it's been huge. It, it really is one of the biggest features of our product and it's a hard one to, it's pretty easy when you're marketing future golf, come and join, you know, you get these rounds, you get a handicap, but the social rounds and the ease of submitting those for people has been huge. Some people would do 40 or 50 of those a year. Some people don't play on weekends. They go play midweek with a few mates. They want to be able to submit that card and track their handicap and, I think more than anywhere in the world, speaking to a bunch of people from places like the US and things, they don't really have handicaps. They don't really track their improvement. The guys we met from the foreplay pod and played golf with them, they were astounded that everyone has handicaps and that it's official. They, When we asked them for their handicaps, they kind of you know, were vague. I'm a seven, he's a nine. Whereas we were like, I'm 9.2, he's 8.4. Like, it, it's a completely different environment here and it's been bred into everyone. As soon as you say, do you play golf? Oh, Drew's watch your handicap. Yeah, that's oh, right. Kieran, watch your handicap. Like it, it's so inherent in all of us that people want to be able to put scores to that, that handicap. And it's been great for us. Our process is really good. Some months we're having upwards of 400 rounds of golf submitted through, through our social round process, which is a lot of golf. And a lot of that golf is, not the free rounds at our partners. So people are getting out and spending on green fees and playing with their mates and getting out and spending on golf facilities. It's another key statistic for us is just that there's a lot of our members that play a lot of golf. Um, and we're looking to improve the process of that conforming social round, uh, make it even easier for people to submit them. Um, eventually, we'd love to do away with the paper card, which is another great modernizing move. I think mm. um, given we've all got devices now and a yeah. lot of people use apps for their scoring, like moving away from having to also do a paper card and have your mate sign it. You'll always have to verify your round, but as long as you've got it somewhere, who cares? Just get it submitted. Yeah. It's a good point. I'd use it. I'd definitely use an app if there was one that, you know, immediately went straight into your handicap. So you might Absolutely. be onto something. You might be onto something yeah. there. What about the that. events, Rowan? Because they are hugely, hugely popular. You were saying before uh, we jumped on that there were some events in Victoria that are selling out a, a week in advance. How do yeah. they sort of work? And I suppose, what's the purpose of those? Well, they've always been the, the core of the community, the core of the, you know, the group that are always the most committed to future golf are the ones that play the events and get the real mateship out of it. Um, right from the start when we used to have sort of eight to 10 at an event, it was always the thing you looked forward to most and always the thing that we put most work into because it's the thing that grew the core group of people that will go out and spruik what we do and really build what we have. Uh, but it's also where people can connect, make friends, organize other rounds. Uh, it's got competition elements where you can win prizes. It's, it's really a great way to get out and play golf courses with a whole bunch of people in your sort of demographic um, and it's in a really relaxed environment we still follow the rules of golf we still respect golf courses and have got constant feedback that our members really do look after the golf courses they play um, but yeah they're, they're really good for building the community we are flying along this year with our events we've sold out every event so far in Victoria and actually exceeded on about five of the nine rounds where we've had to extend tee times. Uh, WA sells out pretty much two or three weeks in advance, which is phenomenal for the, the pure member numbers they've got there, but they're very committed golfers and, and it's great to see them doing that. And we're really building well in, in South Australia, New South Wales and Queensland to, to selling out events there too. So 
it's been great. It's the cornerstone of what we do. It's where the community connects. Uh, and yeah, we, we really love delivering those and, and there's plenty more to come. The more partners we get, the more events we have, the more, again, golf rounds into the community and into, into the golf industry. So what's next, Rowan? Because I think the, the essence of being a disruptor, and, and let's, let's make no mistake, you are to golf as Netflix is to subscriptions, as the iPhone is to technology, you guys are shifting, shifting the needle. But I suppose yep. for as many positives as that brings, it also probably brings the burden to continue to drive the change. Mm-hmm. So do, you, do you feel that at all? Is it, a, is it a sense of we are now at the forefront, we are leading, and we constantly trying to think of new ways to, to evolve? What, what does the future look like for Future Golf? Yeah, that's it, it's part of our DNA is that we always want to evolve. We've been very good at we're, we're only a small team and a, and a very, very passionate and committed team of guys around the country that, that work with us. And we want to evolve. Like I said earlier, we want to find new ways to get people into golf. We want to partner with golf facilities, golf bodies, whoever we can to make that transition easier and make the growth of the game uh, really at the forefront of what we do. And that in itself is going to grow our organisation. So it, it's in our best interest to do that. But it's also something that's very close to to our heart to be at the forefront of growing that. So I think it's, again, partnering with more courses, improving our product to attract people to join Future Golf, but then also finding ways to have events and clinics and holiday programs and a whole range of things that we can get out there for the younger golfer for women, for people who need flexibility, um, anything we possibly can just to get people to want to pick up a club and, and remove those intimidation barriers that are out there. Uh, that's where we're, we're looking to grow in Australia. And then there is the possibility of, of some international markets. And from everyone we talk to, there's, a, there's the same problem of growth, of the growth of golf all around the world. So there is the possibility of starting to look at that. But right now, we've got a long way to go in Australia. We've got a real solid base here in Victoria that we're looking to replicate across the country and build out more programs with, with many more people to get a, a larger group of people playing golf. That's the, that's the next you know, one or two years for us. And in terms of continuing to evolve, how much does the feedback of your members uh, feed into what your future plans are? Because I'm, I'm sure that... You know, whether it's at events, whether it's sending you emails, whether it's commenting on social media, I'm sure that, you know, as, as this membership grows, so will the ideas that come from your members via their feedback. So how much does that factor into your future planning? I, I often wish that there was 20 of us, not two full time and an army of, uh, <laughs> of casual guys. I, I, I'm the kind of person that finds it very hard to say no to great ideas. Um, I would be doing 200 different things if we had the capability of doing it. And most of those, pretty much all of those come from our member feedback. Um, we do surveys, we listen on socials. At the end of every time I speak to our members, I always say, give us a comment below, send me a note, let me know what, what, you, what you think we can improve, what's out there that we can do. Um, it's then about just prioritising and staggering those on the way through. But I'm a big advocate for reaching out to your community. That's what we've got it here for. We want to know what the people are liking and what they're not. Um, And I mean, that's effectively what's happened with our events this year and why they're so popular. We got feedback in the second half of last year about our events, about prizes, about pricing of the events, how much you pay to play in them, about 
the schedules and where they're spread and what time they're on and what type of start and what type of competition and we've taken it all on board and you can see from the from the event attendance and how much people are enjoying them what a good job we've done of that but that job is never done we'll continue to to work through it and uh try and find ways to improve every day and that's that's going to inherently improve the organization on the way through now ron you've been great with your time before we do wrap up i've got to give you a big pat on the back because uh you did win a telstra business award uh the back end of 2019 uh which was i'm reading the article now which was to told to be a stupid idea by an industry stalwart and here you are absolutely flourishing you've got thousands of members you've got a telstra business award in your hand as well that must have been very satisfying to uh to to be winning that little award it certainly was it was that that's kind of that we we knew within golf people knew what we were doing and people were gradually learning a lot more about how we were benefiting the industry and, and where we were taking it but to be separate to that and go through the telstra business award process that's extremely rigorous time consuming they ask for a lot of information there's a lot of interviews with different members of the team you go through a lot to do that to know that not only from a golf perspective but for our future that we've we've grown this great business through a lot of blood sweat and tears and hard work uh that was the the biggest vindication and it just couldn't have got to where we have without an amazing team of of people who've given up so much time at this time of night. I'm, I'm used to working at this time of night. I've been doing it for years on Gem Y Golf and Future Golf, and there's a whole army of people that do exactly the same thing, that bring the events to people, that, that do this when they've come home from a long day at work and have passion about doing whatever they need to do to keep it going. There's so many awesome people in our team. They're the, they're the ones that drove the award, and that was what made Ali and myself so proud. Um, but, yeah, it's that kind of external uh vindication i guess of the hard work we've done and it was a good speech ali gave at the telstra business award about the uh, industry stalwart who said he'd eat his hat if we ever got past a year in operation so i hope he's eaten a few hats by now where we're coming up to six years now so i, I can provide the hat if he needs one one of my sweaty ones post an 18 hole round of golf I think would be appropriate. <laughs> uh, well Ryan look it's, it's, it's been a story that both Nathan and I have been uh, obviously familiar with prior to the chat it's something that we were uh, very passionate about hence the reason why we wanted to have you on to tell the story to our listeners who may not be familiar with the future golf story but certainly are now and I, I think the most exciting thing i mean put to one side how much of a change it's it's forced in the industry uh, and, and i say forced in the nicest possible way because it was necessary there's no doubt that something like the concept of future golf was it was absolutely necessary to get golf starting to self-reflect and look in the mirror and, and begin to change and and while that's exciting i think the most exciting part is what's to come uh, for all the reasons that you said before and for all the reasons that we know that there's still tens of thousands of people our age out there screaming out for an avenue to play golf. So I think that for that very reason, uh, you know, in terms of looking forward into the future and, and why that's probably the most exciting part of your journey, it's, it's, the, it's the same very reason why we at the 19th T are incredibly proud to be announcing tonight that we uh, we're we're joining the future future golf family uh, in in many more ways than one. Not only have Drudes and I signed up, but uh, future golf is is joining the nineteenth tee as our first official sponsor, coming on board as the official golf club partner of the nineteenth tee podcast. 
<laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> Huge round of applause. Golfer clap. Uh, yeah, it's, but it is, it's incredibly exciting for us. I mean, obviously it's the culmination of some discussions that, um, you know, that we've been having for, for some weeks now. And I think it's testament to you and, and the hard work of your team that, you know, you've now met personally um, in the flesh with both of us and you, you live down in Victoria. I'm in Brisbane, neighbors in Perth and that hasn't stopped you from, you know, sitting down with us and, and having a coffee and, and sharing the vision. And it's something that I think uh, it's abundantly clear that we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. And we're certainly proud to uh, to stand beside the the Future Golf brand and and, and look forward to uh, you know what should be a very fruitful collaboration moving forward. But very excited to have the uh, a Future Golf join the 19th T S official golf club partner of the podcast. It's very uh, very exciting for us too. I uh, right like I said earlier, right from listening to you guys from the very start with the uh, golf without the the jacket and tie, I was immediately. Uh, immediately enamored with what you guys are doing and every episode's been uh, you know listened to in my car I actually struggle to sometimes find time to listen to all the podcasts I want to listen to but yours is one of the first ones on the list purely because it's providing that younger person's view of golf um, that window to a whole bunch of people in the industry that are very interesting and providing a different angle on the game and like you said there's there's so much that works very well between Future Golf and the 19th tee. Um, and that's why it works so well for us to work with you guys, uh, hopefully get you guys out to some of our events in Queensland or WA or wherever it may be, uh, and just create some interesting content for people and be part of that with you guys. And hopefully through both mediums of Future Golf, the 19th tee, and, and promoting together, we can continue to have a voice for the future of golf um, and yeah, continue to work together on getting more and more people to play this great game. Very well said, Rowan. Very well said indeed. Uh, and we look forward to getting in the ears of your members and we look forward to uh, our members uh, and listeners joining the 19th, uh, sorry, joining Future Golf. They're already part of the 19th team. But that is, because, <laughs> that is because they are getting a very special offer uh, from Future Golf to the 19th team listeners and that is... 10% off for new members and that'll be if they use the code the 19th T that is exactly how it's spelled exactly how you say it T-H-E-1-9-T-H-T-E-E 10% off for new members uh, courtesy of Future Golf and we can't wait to have plenty more members joining the ranks of Future Golf because uh, we love what you're doing Rowan and it's been a, a ripping chat so uh, thanks very much for joining us on the Thanks, 19th tee. it's been a it's been a, a great chat and we look forward to a fruitful relationship moving forward absolutely so do uh, so do all of us at future golf thanks for for having me on and everything you're doing to uh like i said get that uh, the word of golf out there to that younger audience great stuff <laughs>